Let's rethink this plan. Let us go back to our younger pre-season oneselves and convince them to change our show format. That, that ought to do it. Are you sure this will work? It better. Wait. You've got a button shirt on now. Are you slowly accruing clothing for a suit? Why not just get it all at once? Unlike you, Angel, I have to budget for all of my scheme um, projects. Anyway, let's head off. So, maybe we can talk about the Van Meter Visitor. For this new podcast idea of ours? Totally. Hey, you there. Where are you? From the future. Hey, younger angel. Younger Matt. What the? Younger Angel? Those guys look an awful lot like us. And they're kind of stinky. Younger Matt, I think they have wings. What? No, no, we don't have. I think they mean to harm us. Quick, Younger Matt, get your gun and shoot them. Aye, aye. Second thought, let's not include the Van Meter Visitor. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by child actor extraordinaire, Angel. Now, when I say child actor, I do not mean at a young age you were an actor. As all things Angel go, this is overly complicated. So for decades, we have all known the adverse effects that being a child actor can have on a child. Corey Feldman has been on his justifiable crusade over the years. Any number of Disney or Nickelodeon child actors have their fair share of horror stories. Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin in Star Wars Episode One, got friggin' death threats for being in that movie. Child acting, it seems, is just pretty damn horrible. So this is where you come in with a side business you set up years ago called Voices of an Angel. The idea being we just remove the child actor industry all together and have adults play the children. And I'm not talking the 20-something Tom Welling playing the 14-year-old freshman in high school, Clark Kent in Smallville. I am talking you, Angel, acting in a movie as a 10-year-old child. You've had a few bites in the voice acting world to play children, but never live action, the, the holy grail. Do you think this is still a worthwhile business to pursue? Of course it is. When you have a ton of people telling you it's a bad idea, you know there's something there. And you just have to pursue it. Uh-huh. Well, they're, they're trying to get you to not do it because they think it's a good idea. I got to get I gotta get on this exactly. first. Potentially, there is a Hollywood agent out there listening to us, Angel. So why don't you give us your best Elliot from E.T. as he sees E.T. dying on a table from whatever the hell it was that was causing E.T. to die 
and right before his little heart glows red one more time as he's revived in the final act of the movie. Look at what they've done to you. I'm so sorry. You must be dead, because I don't know how to feel. I can't feel anything anymore. You've gone someplace else now. I'll believe in you all my life, every day. E.T., I love you! And E.T.'s heart light glows once again, and he's revived. I mean, brought a tear to my eye. I I thought there was a child on the other end. You see, the trick is, if you change your voice, people will know and and get taken out of the... uh, (laughs) Out of the moment? Yes. Uh You just gotta, you know, just act with all your heart. And and people forget that you're supposed to be whatever age Elliot was in that film. (laughs) Yeah, like seven or eight, yeah. And they forget that I'm, you know, this older man playing this child. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's just good acting. With that being said, though, do you think it could be a bit unnerving for the audience to see a 35-year-old man playing a 10-year-old boy? Not at all. Not at all? Nope. Nope. Are you just, like, really, really hoping for a sequel or remake of Robin Williams' Jack so that you can just play a 30-year-old man that is actually a child? And everyone's like, yeah, this makes sense. (laughs) It's been done before. I think I think uh, we need to... You don't to... want to do Jack 2? No. <laughs> Skip the, the sequel and go straight to the third one. Son of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere he had a son in that movie. I don't know. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, he, Jennifer Lopez is in it. And he gets really old. And But I think he's still a child. So... Him having another child, now that I think about it, uh, could be very uh, precarious. Yep. <laughs> I have not seen this film, so... <laughs> you will <laughs> Well, best of luck in your endeavors. Uh, so why don't we turn our attention to an item in the news. This one coming from unexplainedmysteries.com. It is titled, Eerie Note Discovered... In charity shop jacket and do we have a new cursed item being made in the moment angel oh so the article goes on a woman who was about to buy a red coat from a charity shop found a rather unnerving note inside its pocket you can often find a few good bargains when shopping for secondhand clothes in charity shops but sometimes it's also possible to find a chilling reminder that the items you are buying were once owned by someone else This point was brought into sharp focus recently when a woman in the U.S. discovered a handwritten note inside one of the pockets of an old red coat that she was trying on in the thrift store. The scrap of paper read simply, bury me in this red suit. Whoever had owned that coat, it seems, had not got their wish. Photographs of the discovery, which were later posted on Facebook, generated hundreds of shares, with some users commenting on how sad it was that the former owner hadn't got what they wanted. Others, meanwhile, tried to make light of the situation. Beware, the dead owner might haunt you for her jacket. I sure as hell would, one wrote. Of course, it's also possible that the owner of the jacket changed their mind about being buried in it and decided to donate it to a charity shop without realizing the note was still in the pocket. Whatever the case, 
we will probably <laughs> probably never know for sure. I mean, I'm of the mind that she was buried in it and was <laughs> exhumed and someone took the jacket. How about you? Well, I think it's what comes to mind is that these people will accept the jacket and just leave it as is. So if you're putting on this jacket, you're putting on whatever the last person had on. They don't clean it. They don't check pockets or nothing. That mm-hmm. seems a little strange to me. I bought some things from the thrift store. You know, <laughs> I bought an entire, I think I mentioned it on the show before, <laughs> I go to Renaissance fairs. So I went to a thrift store, bought a women's leather jacket, cut the damn sleeves off the thing, and now it looks like a very roguish pirate <laughs> jacket. has some cool buttons on it. There's some cool finds you can get at the thrift store. You just don't know where it came from. It could have bed bugs in it. That, that jacket was probably buried, and then somebody zoomed it and just gave it away, and nobody bothered mm-hmm. to clean it. So you're wearing dead nope. per- person's clothes. And- and you know what? I never cleaned it when I brought it home. <laughs> and I've worn that thing in like 100 degree weather um, mm-hmm. multiple times and there's covered in sweat. So it's even worse now. The other thought that came to mind is the note, the time traveler with the notes. I'm wondering if he <laughs> left <laughs> that note in the jacket and then forgot that he doesn't die until uh-huh. later. <laughs> is, is there anything in your wardrobe that you're like, bury me this in, in this 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 is the thing i must be buried in yes my back to the future movie poster <laughs> just dress you in the poster just stapled yeah, on just, your chest just wrap, you know i mean i wrap wrap it around me it's, oh. it's long enough oh <laughs> it's wall size scroll <laughs> yes I, I thought you were gonna say your prince outfit <laughs> no that's just the side gig it's it's not important (laughs) with that world shaking story out of the way let us now take a look at our entity for this episode the ominously named van meter visitor now angel i have to ask some of these entities that we've looked at they just have some wild names melon heads of course being my favorite names that give you a good idea of what the entity is Hogzilla, Mothman, Goatman, really anything with man on the end. (laughs) But Van Meter Visitor is a name of intrigue, of mystery, of possible otherworldliness. When you hear Van Meter Visitor, what sort of image pops into your brain? Uh, A non-threatening one. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say that? Well, maybe I'm biased. But uh, to me, well, first, I didn't even know Van Meter was the name of the town. So I I didn't know what Van Meter was. I thought it was Mm -hmm. like a meter in a van or something. So the word (laughs) a meter stick. I got all my meter sticks in my van. (laughs) And (laughs) And I'm visiting. (laughs) Yeah, visitors, just some guy showing up. So I I really didn't think anything otherworldly. So maybe the Mm -hmm. non-threatening thing was accurate. (laughs) (laughs) For me, and I admit this is kind of, or maybe kind of weird, but I, I envision like a 1930s gangster or some <laughs> sort of like Dick Tracy-esque villain or even maybe somewhat similar. If you've ever seen the movie The Town That Dreaded Sundown, uh, it came out in the 1970s and it's like this masked guy that just starts killing people in Texas. Sort of like for, for whatever reason, the name for me evokes a very human quality for the Van Meter visitor. Because visitor, yeah. I think, is quite ambiguous. Why is it visiting? Was he invited? 
Does he have business in Van Meter, distant relations there, or is it more sinister to kill people in the town, abduct them, and torture them? There are a lot of reasons someone would want to visit, right, Angel? Yes. Too many. <laughs> it makes me think, Angel, if you were a mysterious entity like the Van Meter visitor, what would you like your name to be? I like the word stranger. I think that one invokes a more <laughs> dangerous. So the like stranger the, of danger? Well, I was going to say the strangling stranger. <laughs> the strangling. I don't know. Method of killing? Stabbing. Stabbing you. <laughs> you got to throw them off. You just make strangling noises when you uh, show up. <laughs> then you start stabbing. Stab, 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 stab. So I've put a lot of thought into this. Maybe too much for my own good. But this is my dream and what I want to be my legacy. Oh, no. So Rhinelander, Wisconsin has come up on the show, especially in the Hodag episode, of course. That little bugger has been injected into the bloodstream of that town. I want to leech off of the established entity and become the Rhinelander Rapscallion, a roguish-type entity who does naughty tricks to unsuspecting people. So sort of like spring Jack without the assaulting. I suppose maybe the maybe the hodag is my friend, maybe the hodag's my enemy, maybe something more. I don't know yet. We have to let that part of it grow organically. How, <laughs> so how do you like my rapscallion, my Rhinelander rapscallion? What what kind of naughty pranks? I don't know. Like <laughs> knocking on the door and running away, you stealing clothes off newspaper. the hanger <laughs> from one that's like three weeks old. <laughs> Like, and just target that one person over and over so it makes them feel like they're traveling back in time and they get really confused. <laughs> that would be a rapscallion type of prank to do, I think. Mm, mm, yeah. So now the, the Van Meter visitor had no choice with its name. It was thrusted upon him like some baby of a celebrity couple who got to name their child just something wild. That name was coined by Chad Lewis, an author who is the predominant force behind the entire story of this creature and i suppose we could even call chad the authority on this subject so his 2013 book the van meter visitor is the keystone of this entire story and one of my absolutely favorite details angel is that on google books the <laughs> the record for this book says that it was written by chad lewis former nfl player and it even has a picture of the guy in an eagles uniform and everything oh, no. that is not chad lewis <laughs> that wrote the book but it's my favorite detail i think i've ever found in research so far is just saying some other guy wrote this book and a former nfl player just gained interest in in this one little the no. town in Iowa. Former tight end Chad Lewis just <laughs> loves the Van Meter visitor. And I, I actually happen to own a few of Chad's books, and I met him a few years ago. The non-NFL Chad Lewis, of course. Very cool dude. He does a lot of presentations and lectures in Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, that sort of area, uh, on all sorts of bizarre and weird topics. So if you got issues with the name, Chad is the one to bring it up with. It's not often that you get to name an entity like this. So you gotta shoot your shot and give it your best, right? Yes. So here is a fun experiment, Angel, and I'll let you stew on it for the remainder of their episode. So at the very end, we will each give our own proposed name for the Van Meter visitor and see if it's any better than Chad's. Challenge accepted. 
As far as what this thing looks like, though, it is described as an 8 to 10 foot tall, half man, half beast with giant bat wings and a horn on its head that emanated bright light when it traveled. Something like that scuttles into town. What do you think the purpose of its visit is, Angel? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm not uh, an expert on weird flying creatures that just scuttle into town. What's your first first thought? You see Mr. Nine Foot Tall, Half Man, Half Beast, Bat Wings. His, his head looks like a flashlight. Do you go up and greet him? Well, I, I'm, am I you seeing say, Do you this? say, welcome welcome to Van Meter? Am I seeing this thing and I see, oh, it's got wings and, and a light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, you're seeing it all. Yeah, I'm pretty you sure I'm running away. Yep, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> We're going to see exactly how the people of Van Meter reacted to this thing in just a moment. Mm-hmm. But you know one thing that the Van Meter visitor wasn't expecting when it visited Van Meter? What's that? Cotton Eye Joe's razor. The axiom that states for something to have come from somewhere, it must therefore go somewhere. So where the heck did the Van Meter visitor come from? An angel. Curl that mustache. Square off that beard. Don the three-piece suit. We have our option of sack coat, blazer, or rugged Norfolk jacket and matching waistcoat fastened high on the chest. And if you're feeling in the mood, some keen-looking trousers. I say this because we are actually traveling back into time to the end of September in 1903 to the town of, believe it or not, Van Meter, Iowa. Are you ready? Aye, aye. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the Indiana Jones voice from season two, but it wasn't. It always got me on my feet. The setting is downtown Van Meter at 1 a.m. September 29th. U.G. Griffith is awoken by a rooftop commotion. Probably annoyed, he gets up to investigate to see what intarnation is going on and sees what he at first believes is a light moving around on the roof. Maybe a person with a lantern. Investigating further, a huge entity bolts from the rooftop and onto the roof of another building and makes its escape. And Eugene Griffith is just like, what the hell did I just see? The next night, Van Meter's very own physician, Dr. Alcott, is startled awake by a bright light shining into his room. He does what any town physician in 1903 would do, I think. He grabs his firearm and gets ready to start shooting. As he believed it could have been a burglar, the mysterious entity escaped once more. So, Angel, we have a snooping creature in the wee hours of the morning. What do you think this visitor is doing at 1 a.m. in Van Meter? Scoping out the place, I think. I think it's trying to find a, a new place to, to start its hive. And roofs are a good place. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they're open air. Mm-hmm. And you find a, a house that's abandoned. I mean, I don't even know how many X-Files <laughs> episodes start with, like, they find something in an abandoned house. This brings us to the third night. This time... One of the townsfolk was ready. Mr. Clarence Dunn, banker extraordinaire, wanted to protect the town's money. So he sets up shop in the bank, ready for the most easy-to-see burglar the town has ever seen. Just follow the extremely bright light on the rooftops, right? And just as expected, the entity appears, and Dunn just starts blasting away with his shotgun, (laughs) destroying the front windows of the bank in the process. Sure that he had killed the creature, Dunn makes his way out of the bank to find nothing except for a large three-toed footprint 
in the ground, which he supposedly then made a cast of soon thereafter. So what the heck is going on here, Angel? We got a nine-foot-tall winged creature waltzing around town with a freaking lighthouse light on its head. Do you think this town was like, yeesh, we just got this giant that's trying to rob us? I don't think so. <laughs> like, what? I mean, they I don't... a few of them probably thought it was burglary, but... They but it's like nine feet tall but, yeah, <laughs> and they... jumping from building to building. <laughs> it's a strange burglar. Mm -hmm. And talk must have gotten around town because Clarence Dunn's like, I've got to protect the goddamn bank. So, <laughs> so he just sets up with a shotgun and is ready to shoot anything that comes near the bank. Something about uh, Clarence Dunn, uh, since I have the book by Chad Lewis. Not the NFL player. Not the NFL player. <laughs> This is a little description here. It says, so Clarence is known to his friends as Peter. So, I don't know. That's a weird thing to have a, a, na a nickname, Peter, when your name is Clarence. I don't know. You, you don't know the, the historic representation of Clarence to Peter? It's like Richard and Dick. <laughs> well, anyway, and then about Dr... Alcott, he he not only he he shot at the the thing. It's written here. It says not only once or twice to be sure, but five fearful shots were hurled at the beast. <laughs> hurled, my gun <laughs> hurls bullets at things. <laughs> yeah, and apparently the bullets didn't do anything. Oh, this damn monster! So it's many stories of it being shot at by damn near half the town, and. No one hits it. Uh, again, is it just a some sort of force field around the Van Meter visitor that just deflects bullets? Is it the damn town just never having actually used a gun before? They just <laughs> like the idea of guns. They think they look cool, but then when they use them, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they shoot at the nine-foot-tall half-man, half-beast bat creature, and they can't hit it? I like the idea of a town pushing out the natives, building their, uh, settling on the land, you know, making, essentially building up the economy from the ground up with the mine shaft, and not knowing how to use guns. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just brandish them about, and then they're like, "Oh, get the hell away from Van Meter! They they got guns over there." <laughs> they point the gun at someone, and they just. Hit you with it, yep. thinking that's how you use it. Well, they're hurling <laughs> bullets, so they're not shooting them. They're hurling them. <laughs> My God. <laughs> well, this book has a... I don't know where it gets it, uh, where Chad Lewis got his um, information, but he did a, did a ton of research, it looks like. And a lot of these people, at least uh, Clarence Dunn, claims to be a pretty good shot. <laughs> you know, I'm a sharpshooter on the side, <laughs> but banker first. <laughs> uh, Clarence Dunn wasn't the only one who saw the creature on that third night, supposedly. Another shop owner, apparently also afraid of the roaming giant that was going to rob his store, saw the creature sitting up on a telephone pole. You know, like most burglars do. They yeah. just sit up there on telephone poles. So he, <laughs> he tried his best. He shot at the damn thing, too. Why is everybody so trigger happy in, in Van Meter? <laughs> That's just how things go. You see something you don't like, you shoot it. <laughs> shoot it. 
up on the <laughs> telephone pole. <laughs> Yet another person saw it as it fled the shooting gallery of downtown Van Meter at the telephone pole and claimed it leaped off like a kangaroo as it flapped its wings trying to take off. There is also some speculation that just at the same time, a late train rolled into town and the noise and rumbling caused the Van Meter visitor to become scared, which then made it flee to a nearby mine shaft. At this point, the town is in, I presume, a absolute frenzy. Late night gunshots, uh, the bank's windows are shot out, monsters sitting on top of telephone poles. Van Meter is in chaos. So on October 3rd, the town is in pitchfork mode and sets its sights on just outright killing this Van Meter visitor, this supposed behemoth wannabe burglar. A posse forms and does what posses do. They show up with a small armory worth of guns and wait for the creature at the mine's entrance. Supposedly, from inside the mine, it was described as sounding like as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for a battle. I can't even fathom what that... A regiment of imps were coming forth for battle? But is that what happened? I don't think oh, so. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I had to look into it just to get an idea of what the size of a regiment is, Angel. And that's mm-hmm. typically 1,000 to 2,000 men in size. That's 2,000 imps <laughs> coming out of this mine <laughs> with Satan ready for battle. <laughs> with Satan at hand. <laughs> so here's a question. You hear whatever that noise represents, and you're in the posse. Do you stand your ground or you're like, oh, I'm I'm gonna head out now. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. This this isn't my fight. This isn't <laughs> you my know, battle. He didn't come after my store. <laughs> like, not only that, but it hasn't really done anything. People just it see hasn't. it and they just shoot <laughs> at it. Shoot at it. <laughs> He's just visiting. <laughs> He's just taking a peek, a peek at everything and just checking it out with his I mean, built-in light. For all we know, he's inspecting the roofs to make sure the town's safe and he's yeah. getting shot at. <laughs> My God. So luckily for the posse, it was not a regiment of imps. Instead, they were greeted with the Van Meter visitor and a second, smaller creature emerging from the mine. But before the posse could unleash hell, the creatures were like, eh, let's get out of here. And they just like up and flew away. <laughs> Was this the wrong move, Angel? Did they need a bigger posse? No, I think the fact that these creatures left means that they were there to help. And the town, the townspeople just weren't ready for uh, this extraterrestrial help. <laughs> they couldn't maybe, they couldn't decipher the message that the man meter visitor was trying to give them i mean there's two of them i'm pretty sure these were aj (laughs) oh my god (laughs) akbar and jehoshaphat in 1903 van meter Mm -hmm. iowa trying to bestow the van meter townspeople with some new technology and they just weren't ready was there a crystal skull in the mine maybe but it's been shuttered now so (laughs) nobody knows yeah Yeah. oh my god (laughs) What do you think the townsfolk should have done in that situation? So, presuming that they arming themselves and going to the mine to uh, obliterate this thing is the wrong way to assess this situation. What do you think they should have done? If they're there and these creatures just come out, 
And again, they haven't done anything. They haven't attacked. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, hey, like, hello, like trying to talk to it or something. See if I can get it to communicate. So the the best of my ability, I didn't see any uh, reports that it did anything nefarious or yeah. was aggressive to anybody. It's, um, I think, growled a few times like outside the bank. But who knows if it was even the creature. A growl doesn't necessarily mean aggressiveness. No, I mean, it could just mean like I'm hungry or <laughs> I like something or yeah. I'm I'm visiting the town of Van Meter, Iowa, and <laughs> I growl at it in indifference because they are all shooting at me. <laughs> so apparently the townsfolk, the posse, they didn't have anything else to do. So they just waited for the monsters to come back. And at around 5 a.m., the visitor and mini visitor return to the mine and the posse does what posse does. They open fire, and apparently once again, the again? creatures are like, eh, let's get out of here. And they just <laughs> flew back into the mine. <sighs> when shooting the creature, which apparently was their only plan, they needed to come up with something new. And you you mentioned it there briefly, Angel. The townsfolk of Van Meter apparently just bricked up the entrance to the mine to solve their issue they said bullets bullets cannot solve this situation we need to solve for x and solving for x was building a wall at the, <laughs> the mine entrance so kind of anticlimactic, right mm-hmm. now that we've sort of seen where the van meter visitor came from let's take a look at where it has gone and as best as i can tell the residents who experienced the original events never saw the creature again once they bricked up that entrance there, it was problem solved. Better than shooting. Over the years, there have been reported sightings, but I have seen no indication or proof of those sightings or even that it was even the same creature. I just saw things that said sightings have been occurring since then. So this leads us into what the townsfolk back in 1903 could have seen. So here are a few theories of what occurred. The first theory I have titled, Bird is the Word. So there is a theory that what the people saw was an exotic bird that had escaped from its owner's possession. We've had similar bird theories, like the Mothman sightings, where it was suspected that the townsfolk were just so damn dumb they didn't know what a sandhill crane was. In this instance, it is believed that the citizens of Van Meter saw a shoebill, which is a very large stork-like bird that looks like it was bred at goddamn Jurassic Park. (laughs) <laughs> and if you have never seen one, very much check this thing out. They Even when you see them move, they just look fake. And they look like a Jim Henson puppet that was developed for the Dark Crystal. Do you think this is a good contender for theories, Angel, that it was just a shoe bill that apparently had a Kevlar vest on? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. If it was a bird, it's got to be some impressive Mm -hmm. bird that can dodge bullets or the stories are exaggerated about what they were shooting at Mm -hmm. and i suppose i have never shot a shoe bill so i don't know if they are inherently impervious to bullets (laughs) but maybe it's possible (laughs) my my uh, theories two through 17 are all just various birds so we'll just skip those The next one is I titled I'm not an alien theory. So this one So no no alien theory this time Angel, but this one is similar to a Mothman theory 
from season one that this creature crossed dimensions and entered our reality and apparently not alone as it brought its little friend or child with it that they, you know, also locked up in the mine to presumably perish and die in there. So what do you think about this entity being from another damn dimension? It makes me think, what if the Mothman and the Van Meter Visitor, they're all the same kind of thing? And they're just popping in visiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have anything better to do in their dimensions. So they're <laughs> like, I'm going to pop over into 20th century America. I'm going to see what's happening. People are going to shoot at me probably. And then they just leave. <laughs> I mean, it explains why they're impervious to bullets. Third dimension has no effect on these no. extra dimensional beings. I, I mean, I bet they're at least eighth dimension. <laughs> I don't know what the other ones in between are, but they do. <laughs> Overall, do you think that's the strongest theory so far or not so much? Nah, nah, no, 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 not much. Uh, how you say evidence to support that one but it's a theory the last one that i have is just titled newspapers need that money and it's a basic a basic theory that really maybe none of this happened and it was just things that were being printed in the newspaper to sell newspapers or things get a little bit exaggerated and as the story gets told over and over and over again finally getting told to somebody at the newspaper it's wildly different than what actually happened uh, maybe somewhat similar to things that we've seen in the past with Spring Hill Jack and um, newspaper stories related to that. Has this one piqued your interest at all? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I hate newspapers. I hope that they all lie and I hope they all die. <laughs> I've, I've learned that a lot of newspapers in, the, in these times just made up a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Poor us. A uh, hundred years later, we're like... Well, this looks interesting, but <laughs> they would never print something so blatantly false in the newspaper. Not them. <laughs> it was different back then. Yeah. yeah. They're all about truths. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, they would never do that. I'm, I'm somewhat on the side of it being embellished and it just got printed in the newspaper as something that maybe wasn't exactly as what occurred. And I, in fact, I even recall seeing a somewhat similar news article, it's a very old newspaper from the time, and it talked about how the people in the town were complaining that Van Meter was getting this reputation that the town was haunted, <laughs> as there was some sort of like other ghost things going on, and yeah. they were like angry about it because they didn't, they maybe thought that people wouldn't come to the town to settle there because <laughs> they were going to think it was haunted or bad things happened there. So, um, some in the in the town were just like this stuff's stupid we gotta stop having this stuff spread it's gonna ruin us but uh newspapers think the same do you have any theories on your end this time around here's a theory that'll knock your socks off too bad they're already off <laughs> i'll put them back on quick i think the van meter visitor is real it's what many would not describe, but I will describe it as a unicorn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and nobody's seen them anymore. That's why the, uh, unicorns are considered rare. But that's 
that's that's part of the theory. Like, I don't really have an explanation for the actual creature mm-hmm. itself. But there is several years later, around the seventies, Japanese company known as you know Sanrio. Anyone's familiar with that? Hello Kitty. They produced a film uh, based off, off a manga, uh, the Unico and the Island of Magic. that's right we're going there unico is this tiny little unicorn thing who spreads love everywhere he goes and a lot of people don't like him for that but it's too bad because his love (laughs) is infectious and then they disease (laughs) they start spreading the love as well my point is unico is a little unicorn and he's got a little horn on his head how is this like the Van Meter visitor, you ask? Well, his horn glows. Yes, it glows very brightly. But he's just a unicorn, and unicorns don't have wings. Except Unico has wings. That's right, he's got tiny little wings, just like the Van Meter visitor. Now, sure, they describe it as bat-like wings, but I think that's just due to exaggeration, exaggerating events. I mean, who's going to believe you when you say there's a tiny little unicorn with wings flying around here? No, it's no, gotta no. be you, big wings. Yeah, big uh, bat wings. Yeah, <laughs> scary. You know, you're not gonna get scared over a little tiny flying <laughs> thing. And of course, Unico in the movie, at least, can turn into a big unicorn with wings. So who knows? Maybe there's an in-between transformation that they were mm-hmm. they were catching. And the reason he was impervious to bullets, like you said, his force field that was swaying the bullets was the 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 spreading of love. He was just there to visit with love. Exactly. And just like in the movie, the the, 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 for, the people were afraid of this love creature, so they attacked it. And it could only, you know, the only thing it can do is run away. I mean, in the movie, there's only one of them, but maybe there's more than one kind of unicorn creature. That's why the Van Meter visitor had two. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that even though in these events took place and they drove the creatures to the mine shaft and closed them in that love did spread to them because some years later they have an annual festival commemorating the events of van the van meter visitor so what i'm saying is that unico this japanese cartoon was inspired by american culture there i said it Oh, your your pop pop culture score better be a four. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good theory. I think that might. I mean, it's it's the same as the interdimensional. <laughs> I'm not an alien theory, as far as I'm concerned. It's on the same level as that. Um, has much as much evidence. Uh, I will before we get into the rubric of power. Pose this question. So a lot of this information comes from Chad Lewis himself. But has anyone ever seen Chad Lewis and the Van Meter Visitor in the same place at the same time? <laughs> Perhaps I'm, he was the visitor. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> that was you that said that. I mean, he did go to visit. He calls it in, in, the, in the book. He's he call, Yeah, he's the visitor. In the book, he calls it legend tripping. That's a good way to look at it. And then along the way, you find a statue that kills people. That's for a different episode. Yeah. (laughs) 
So how about then the rubric of power for the van meter visitor? I'm interested for this one, Angel, because we've had this fight before. This <laughs> this bare knuckle fight of this thing flies. I love flying things, but you are notoriously uh, hateful in your heart for all things that fly. So how about the powers? I don't know where you got that idea. I think the <laughs> fact that it can fly is super awesome. Espe- no, you don't. <laughs> especially, especially because the flying ability is not the thing that people really go on about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's its blinding light coming out of it, the horn off its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, beyond the final encounter with it where it flies away and then they're like waiting for it to come back and it flies back. That's really the only instance of it even flying. Mm-hmm. Other times it hops around like a kangaroo or just jumps from rooftop to rooftop. Reminded of a game. I just can't think of it now. That something that reminded me of some creature kind of that has wings but prefers to waddle on the ground. Anyway. Um so yeah. Game, from... game about penguins? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Penguins can't fly. Come on now. Turkeys? <laughs> Just go over uh, down the line of birds again. <laughs> Chicken. Ostriches. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for its powers, I have written down can fly with hearts around it. <laughs> you drew in hearts. <laughs> yes. Has horn that glows and impervious to bullets. That's my uh, interpretation of it, at least. <laughs> that was all done in drawings. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really say it's impervious to bullets, but we I'm assuming that's yeah, what it means. It's implied. Yeah. There's no way that many people missed a nine-foot-tall creature. Maybe they did, but... But, but the, here's a power that's not really mentioned, and I'm going to add it in. It's the peacefulness is its power. Mm-hmm. Not once does it ever attack anybody ever. <laughs> and it's always being assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's Unico. <laughs> That's a very good point. It is always being the brunt of the entire damn town. They waited for it to come back home to ambush it. And then it was like, eh, and then it just goes into its cave again and gets bricked in and presumably dies because it can't get out. Yep. Oh, my God. I gave this thing, in terms of powers, a 3.5. No... Point nine fives or whatever I did the last episode. <laughs> I will never go that far. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was very similar here. Flying. I did see some indications that I don't, I never saw it in the actual storytelling, but there were some of the things I read online that it, it flew at extreme speeds, like mm-hmm. all things that fly like this. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but extreme speeds. It, generating the light is cool to either my thoughts of it were to either help it navigate as it flew or even as a angler fish style like attract prey to itself maybe smaller small birds or something (laughs) fly to it and just chomps them down (laughs) and another thing i did see was that supposedly also generated a very putrid smell so maybe some sort of self-defense tactic Mm -hmm. so a lot of different things going on with it the impervious to bullets is very high tier in powers so i settled on a just a flat 3.0 for powers now this one will be interesting detect ability so this one yeah you're right it's interesting because it 
it was never captured, but it was seen many times. <laughs> they like always knew where it, it was. It didn't <laughs> try to hide. And technically, if it's if if it really went down into the mine, it it was essentially contained there. I think it's our mission to go to Van Meter and just dig up that that mine, just see what mm-hmm. what bones are in there. We're going spelunking. <laughs> I gave its detectability a 2.5. The way I was looking at the Van Meter Visitor for this one was that it always stuck out like a sore thumb in this town. Like it made it, people were just sleeping and they'd be woken up by it and like, oh my God, there it is. (laughs) Or like something it was doing always made people go investigate it. It was on rooftops, just doing rooftop stuff, I guess. And it would be flashing its light into people's windows. They'd wake up immediately get their guns to go shoot at it happened multiple times uh one time was just sleeping on top of a telephone pole and it was just minding its own business some guy wakes up and starts shooting at it (laughs) and at least when it was around clarence peter dunn it was uh apparently making gurgling noises and then i also saw that it was described as making strangulation noises which i don't even know what that can be like, what's a strangulation noise that it makes of itself? I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like choking sounds? <laughs> I guess, but uh, why? <laughs> and, I mean, the the lighthouse that it has on top of its <laughs> head, um, it just hurts its detectability so much. <laughs> and there was never any clear indication if it controlled the light. Mm-hmm. More like the light was just always on. And yeah. <laughs> they're... They apparently knew that it lived in the mine. Uh, the whole posse just went there with their guns. So I settled on detectability of a one. How about the lore and mystique? So I wrote down that Iowa itself alone is pretty steeped in, in mystique mm-hmm. based on what I've learned reading this book. On that legend <laughs> legend trip? What's it Legend called? tripping, yeah. Legend tripping, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in Iowa that... I'd never heard of, and I think we should investigate further. And this creature just adds to that. It adds to the mystique, the whole, like, what is this thing? Why is it visiting? What is its purpose? And why is this whole area just full of paranormal activity? (laughs) Like, this is the Van Meter Visitor, even though, you know, the, the, the book focuses on that, and we're focusing on that in this particular episode, we could have essentially just spoken about everything that happened in Iowa like just prior to the Van Meter visitor there was like a Loch Ness type monster sighting in one of the lakes uh, that they have there it's, How, it's just, how's that even happen? How's it get there? <laughs> exactly. It's just, just like things kept happening and it's just mind boggling. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting and it's definitely put Iowa on the map for me. I've given this a three. It's your new destination for vacations, Iowa. (laughs) People are like, why are you going there? Oh, to see all the ghosts and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, even even the people of Van Meter were worried at the time that the town was becoming known as like a paranormal town. So they had concerns about it. (laughs) And what did you give it? Three. So the Lauren Mystique. I really like this idea of this little town in the early 1900s going through just some crazy stuff. Then it just abruptly ends. Like, all of this was really pretty much over the course of four days. 
And it just wasn't some random dudes in town. I think as Chad Lewis mentions, it was uh, prominent figures that were seeing it. It wasn't yeah. typically people that would be known to be making this sort of stuff up. And then the sightings just stop, and then nothing really happened in the first place. Like we said, no one was ever attacked. It was just a bunch of townsfolk shooting off guns. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much it. And there, uh, it. There were no reports of it attacking people, just sleeping or walking around town. I, I tried to think of it the same way as the hodag, as some sort of scheme to try to get people to visit. But like I said... The people at that time didn't like the reputation that the town was getting for all this paranormal Mm -hmm. stuff. And at that time, in 1903, there were about 405 people that lived in Van Meter. Not much really changed in the next pretty much century, as by 1970, the population was only 464. And 10 years prior to that, it was down to 385. It definitely was not, like, whatever was going on here didn't draw people to the town to be like, ooh, this sounds intriguing. I'm going to go live in Van Meter. Uh-huh. It, apparently nobody cared about it and <laughs> didn't want to live there anyway. I think based off of that, and that's enough evidence to me that say this was not some sort of scheme to try to draw people into town for really economic reasons or the same sort of idea that it had in Rhinelander with the Hodag. Uh, because of all that together, I settled on a lore and mystique of a two and a half. So how about the, the make or break of all cryptids, the cunning and intelligence? <laughs> so I think this is where it takes a hit. The creature, based on the stories that are told about it, it seems to have uh, you know, a kind of intelligence. Like it, it's doing stuff. It's climbing, looking through mm-hmm. windows. But it's not doing anything. It's not... It was forced into a, a mine, so it, it didn't. It was not. It's not showing much uh, intelligence. It's not like it's not cunning. It's not. Um, it's not any more clever than than the people that trapped it. It's 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 almost like a very like animal like like it's just mm-hmm. it's just ca- um in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of deal. Uh, give it a two. I was on the same same page here because I guess it loves roofs. It was just on rooftops, <laughs> and if when it goes up there, it wakes people up. Mm-hmm. So like it was very animalistic in the things that it did. There there seemed to be no motive as to why it was on the roof, as far as anything nefarious. That didn't seem to be trying to break into anything. There's no indication that it ever entered a building, since there was no motivation to try to like get things or break into things i don't you can't really draw any sort of high levels of intelligence from that and again it just seemed to be acting like a wild animal just sort of slept around town it flew or jumped around it didn't do anything (laughs) besides get shot at Mm -hmm. so i settled on a one for cunning intelligence and now and now the impact on pop culture which what's this gonna be i believe See, my theory is not going to get taken into account because I don't think anyone knows that the Unico creature is inspired by the Van Meter visitor. In mm-hmm. fact, there's no mention of it anywhere. I think they're trying to hide the fact that is the case. Mm-hmm. And But I did, I did just that little hint there. I gave it a nudge. So it's got a .5 score in there. <laughs> However, this is this is um, very typical of a lot of the 
creatures that we've looked at in the past that are specific to a, a certain location where they're very the, the the area is very very well known for that particular thing and nowhere outside of the area uh, mm-hmm. is talked about so the mothman is in what virginia was it yeah west virginia west virginia Pleasant point west virginia yeah. um you got the skunk ape in south florida hodag and rhinelander hodag and rhinelander so this is another one of those where the van meter visitors is only really known in iowa there's no sightings of similar creatures anywhere else and it's not as widespread as the the top dog which is bigfoot Mm -hmm. so it gets a 1.5 from me yeah it's the classic regional we have a festival named after it and that's pretty much it (laughs) i i honestly couldn't even find a beer named after the van meter visitor so i mean that's if i recall the only other one only other cryptid that did not have a beer was a stakini, mm-hmm. I believe. The stakini's no longer alone. <laughs> Van Meter Visitor joins it in the room of shame for not having any sort of beer merchandising behind it. So I settled on a, a one for impact on pop culture. A one. So what does your score add up to, Angel? We have a 12.5. And I had a 8.5. Rubric a power score... For the Van Meter Visitor is a ten and a half. Wow. Which is probably around Spring Hill Jack territory, maybe? Spring Hill Jack, yeah, was eleven. It's actually closer to the Piasaw bird, which is a ten point four nine five. Ooh, ooh, so just narrowly beats out <laughs> and it's, Piasaw. And it's side 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 to side with Goatman. Oh yeah, Goatman. Who would have thunk it? Well <laughs> a a decent job out of the Van Meter Visitor. A very maybe dark horse entity here we certainly weren't expecting him to get high scores all around on that santa claus level but (laughs) um a good showing for the van meter visitor now if you recall angel in the very beginning of this episode i said we were going to at least attempt to outdo chad lewis and his name of van meter visitor what do you think would be the proper name for this entity i thought about this long and hard (laughs) (laughs) i liked the idea that of what chad lewis was going for that it was a name that he chose a name because he wanted it to sound non-threatening but i also didn't want it to be so generic as the van meter visitor so i came up with urkel the (laughs) out-of-towner urkel the out-of-towner yep Oh no, so does <laughs> does the van meter visitor come into town and he gets shot at and he goes Did I do that? <laughs> and then it gives him purpose. Like what's he looking through all those windows for? He's probably looking for cheese. <laughs> the Urkel was it the Urkel out of towner? Yes. God. Uh, I think Chad Lewis went with the better name <laughs> with the Van Meter <laughs> Visitor. Uh, at first, well, when you said 
non-threatening my mind immediately went then to the most threatening name possible <laughs> of something like the van meter cannibal or just something <laughs> absurd that like makes people want to shoot at it <laughs> um but that wasn't my original my original that i wanted to present is well just like the what i would want to be one day if i was a cryptid my prime my Rhinelander Rapscallion. I think the Van Meter visitor should be the Van Meter Rapscallion. Uh, there's no reason to explain that. It's It goes without saying, I think. So that's what I present. I think we can both agree that the Van Meter visitor is a fine name. You know, there's no reason to change it. Unless it wants to go by the Van Meter Rapscallion. Or Urkel, the out-of-towner. <laughs> out-of-towner. Clearly, we can't fix the name, but what we can do is try to fix its score. So what would you add in our amalgamation corner to make this entity just a little bit better in hopes that it could compete with the top of the top? I've noticed that the higher scoring creatures, and I'm including Santa in this one, tend to have more violent streaks. Say violence in yeah that one was he was violent <laughs> in that episode. So I would definitely add some sort of uh, aggressiveness to the Van Meter mm-hmm. visitor uh, via the. I already did a goat man. Um, you via... just want to give stuff axes. <laughs> no, um, via the Wendigo. Mm, yeah. So it would have like endless hunger, mm-hmm. always trying to consume. And maybe actually try to attack the townspeople. Give the townspeople a reason to shoot at it. I think that would work out perfect. Uh, because it, it does very much seem to be presented as a very docile creature. So getting it some more ruthless aggression would really help it, help it score, I think. Uh, I mean, it, it already flies. It can just swoop down and pick people up. Mm-hmm. And bring it back to its mine layer to eat them. I'm all for that. I think I was thinking the same thing. It needs something more to help destroy and kill things. So what I thought was the Mongolian death worm. So if we were to allow, since it already has this kick-ass horn that emits light, what if it also then discharged electricity like the Mongolian death worm? It discharged poison. It discharged venom. And I think there was a fourth thing that it also discharged that i can't recall exactly any anything that could possibly come out of something came out of the <laughs> mongolian death worm i think yep. uh just add all that in it just has a super horn that can do anything it's like the infinity gauntlet of horns and <laughs> i guess it could be the would it become the the mongolian van meter visitor i don't know <laughs> <laughs> It would also have to feed on some sort of nearby toxic plants to get its oh, venom. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's in the mine. The, yes. the, they built that mine not knowing that there were poisonous <laughs> ferns that mm-hmm. growed deep underground there you yeah. have it and that and that's why it's there so <laughs> that that solves everything <laughs> so before we wrap up this show, I just like to say that I, I like to say really wrong things on this show so that you are dear curiosities can hit us up and tell us how wrong we are. For example, the whole Japan being influenced by American culture thing that I said earlier. I mean, I'm sure some of you take offense to that. God, trying to offend people now. Was Unicorn really influenced by the Van Meter Visitor? Maybe you think otherwise. 
don't know. I, I guarantee not a single person knows what Unico is. <laughs> Either way, you could tell us that too. We don't know what Unico is. And you can tell us by tweeting at us at Cracking Curios and make sure to include the hashtag Cracked Cryptids. And you can also include at Dan Aykroyd because he, you know, could use some uh, learnings about Unico. Everyone should learn about Unico once in their life. You can even find it on uh, a certain streaming website. I'm not going to name that here for reasons of bitterness and anger oh i know who it is then (laughs) (laughs) yes um you can also follow us on instagram at cracking cryptids and shoot us an email cracking cryptids and curios at gmail.com make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform examples such as stitcher or amazon or audible spotify iHeartRadio. so many to choose from and as always Toodles! This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. Look at what they've done to you. I'm so sorry. You must be dead. Because I don't know how to feel. E.T., I love you!